You got Boom. it. You, get, you did it. You're the first person other than me in network history to push the button. Wow. Thank you for the privilege. You're like Neil Armstrong. To assume control, like, even if only temporarily. Like Neil Armstrong to the sequel. Because I was the first one to push that. Yeah. I was the first person to ever push that button. So, uh-huh. um, Well, so I can't where's, say where's that's my one strong, small step for man. Buzz Aldrin, that's who he, you're, you're the Buzz Aldrin of the Yeah. The I still got a parade, just not as big. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin rules, too. Yeah. He's yeah, absolutely yeah. insane. Fuck yeah, dude. Got in I trouble mean, for punching people? That was one of the best things. I mean, that whole thing when the conspiracy theorist was like, hey, uh, you proof moon landing's fake. And Buzz is just like, man. Fuck you. And straight jacks him in the face. Yeah. It's awesome. Just punch that dude. Blap! Hell yeah, dude. Never discount an angry old man who was like 40 in the 60s. <laughs> well, not only that, but it's proof positive you just shouldn't get in anybody's face. No. You know what I mean? And especially some old motherfucker who had military training and was, you know, trained not to give a shit about anybody, really, yeah. right? You know? So, I just love that clip. It's a great clip. Uh, so, speaking of great clips, how's that for a transition? Uh, who am I talking <laughs> like, to? Like the haircut place? Great clips? <laughs> <laughs> fuck are yeah. you talking about i'm talking about this excellent- it's hpv <laughs> i'm chris hi chris i'm brad hey 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 and <laughs> welcome hpv you already said that but you know what the clips i were referring to i was referring to are um this glorious movie you introduced me to which i can't believe that you've never seen this before it's legendary but it came out at the time that I was very much a film school snob, and I didn't want to see some movie about apes that, as you reminded me, came out after Jurassic Park and was intended to be some some spectacular science fiction adventure, and it just seemed like trash to me at the time. Well, what is it? This glorious movie I'm referring to? Is it, uh... Well, it's uh, not Anaconda. No, Mighty Joe Young. God, I wish it were. No, but you no, don't. It's, well, no, you don't want to sit here and talk about Mighty Joe Young versus the epic, glorious, fan-fucking-tastic, every frame of it, Congo. Congo. That's I, right. That's what we're talking about. I am about. absolutely shocked that you have never seen this before. Well, after seeing it today, I am shocked as well. This seems like something I should have seen a long time ago. I don't even know how... Uh, clips of it were not brought to my attention. Some of these action sequences and things where, uh, you know, some of these beautiful moments of dialogue and such. I think I vaguely remember uh, this um, web channel doing a review on it a couple years ago, but I'd never seen it. And, of course, with copyright stuff, who knew what the fuck they were talking about? Right. So uh, this really was, first time, such a pleasure uh, uh, I mean, breathtaking absurdity. Oh, from start to finish, over the goddamn moon, stupid! <laughs> it's so, so okay. Um, how did you come across this movie, Chris? And what made you decide to subject me to this <laughs> this cinematic? Well, uh, Brad, a- as you were alluding to earlier, uh, yeah. Michael Crichton fever had struck two years before with Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. So Crichton. 
After Steven Spielberg adapts Jurassic Park to the big screen, they think they got another hit in Michael Crichton's Congo. So, who did they enlist to do such a thing? Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall. Yes. Fucking brilliant. Hollywood legends Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall. Now, this movie came out in the mid-90s, 1995. So who that's, knew? That's what I was leading up to when you said, "How did I discover this film?" Mm-hmm. Brad, I was ten when this movie came out. <laughs> okay, and All it right. was advertised as you know the killer gorilla. It's a it action adventure movie with a yeah. gorilla from the guy who wrote Jurassic Park. And Brad, if you were ten years old in 1995, you were going. You almost lost your goddamn mind for Congo. <laughs> and then when you saw it, because I didn't see it in theaters, I'm pretty sure. I'm probably about 11 or 12 the first time I watched it. Okay. But still. As, VHS or DVD? You you take a guess there, DVD. buddy. No, absolutely VHS. not. VHS. Buddy. Yay. Oh. Yes. So the first time watching Congo, when you're, <laughs> when you're, you know, 11, 12 years old, not really putting together that this story doesn't make sense. This dialogue's well, of out of 10. its fucking mind. Yeah. Seeing what Congo had to offer, hyped over the moon, Brad, about Congo. And then when, you know, you get into your 20s and what have you, and like you said, the film school snob. Like, I didn't go to film school, but, you know, well, I like good movies. But you're movies. still a snob. Yeah, yeah, I like good movies. I'm uh-huh. not watching fucking Congo. <laughs> And then when you uh, start to relax your butthole and you start to become a person and you watch it in your late 20s and just go, God damn, that is fun. Well, I'd say probably moreover when you're exhausted after a hard day's work and you're paralyzed in front of the TV and you can't even change the remote channel and this strange movie about apes comes on and you're like, yeah, what the hell? I can't. You can barely even drink this drink in front of me. And you <laughs> and get about I a half seen hour Congo in. Congo in 10 years. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I mean, this this was uh, made me sort of nostalgic in a way that um, that I don't often get. And what I mean by that is, there was a time when bad movies were simply bad movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, well, good effort, but that was shit. You know, and this this movie is one of those where you're like. Beautifully shot, you know, very good, uh, competent actors. I couldn't believe her Ernie Hudson was in it. God bless him, man. Oh. You're doing your best with that accent, playing the suave, sophisticated, uh, you know, criminal bad guy. All right. I mean, whatever. Laura Linney, like, barking orders, like she's freaking, um, oh, man, name your boss character, Arlie Emery, you yeah. know? She's like Arlie ba- Ermy. Yeah, she's badass scientist combat woman. Dude. Okay, all right. So before we start jumping around the story like we normally do, let's just let's just go through the high points of the story, okay? So uh, essentially now correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But essentially, the story is there's this guy who's been teaching this uh, gorilla that they've had in captivity, he's been teaching this gorilla sign language. Yes. And they're using superior technology to actually have sophisticated conversations to a certain extent with this gorilla. And uh, basically he's decided that she has been um, uh, sufficiently trained 
to be able to be returned to her natural jungle environment and then possibly, hey, who knows, maybe teach these other gorillas sign language and possibly maybe, who knows, become a bridge between humans and gorillas. He hasn't really figured all of that stuff out yet, but his mission is to get her to the Congo. Yes. Okay. Now, meanwhile, mm -hmm. a corporation is looking for diamonds to right. power their communications laser. Fuck. That's what it really opens with. Bruce Campbell and, and mm -hmm. what's his name? Yeah. Uh-huh. Those two. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so they are looking for these diamonds. Uh, Bruce Campbell is killed in pursuit of them. <laughs> great uh, to see you, Bruce. Always great to see you. To, which uh, makes Joe Don Baker lose his goddamn mind and bash his own computer screen in with a golf club that he happens to be carrying. Yeah. where This golf club literally appears out of nowhere. Joe Don Baker, once again, shout out to a classic movie star just... Who goes from zero to a thousand in 0. 0.2 seconds. Yeah, he has no no uh, control, no restraint. It's like, get me those diamonds. I don't think I can. Oh, shit, get me those diamonds! So he decides to send Laura Linney, who was uh, Bruce Campbell's... Uh, love interest yes. and happens to be Joe Don Baker's son. Daughter. Bruce Campbell. Oh, Bruce Campbell is, is Joe Don Baker's son. son. Yes. Really? Yes. And Laura Linney was... Really? Oh, I did not catch are, that at oh, yes. all. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes, Joe that's... Don Baker doesn't give a fuck. No, that's why she's so mad about it. Yeah, and yeah. she makes him swear, this mission is not about the diamonds. It's about your son, right? And yeah. he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Now, that part, I knew he was lying, but I didn't realize Every, that... Everybody knows that he's lying, Brad, <laughs> except for Laura Linney. <laughs> well, Laura Linney probably... Those microbes living on the computers in that room knew he was lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it this way. Uh, it, it, okay. I know it's Michael Crichton, but to, to sort of give the benefit of the doubt and impose a certain sense of foreshadowing. She probably knew he was lying because she said, if I figure out that you're lying to me, I'm going to mess up your whole thing. And Joe Don Baker's like, how could you possibly figure out I'm lying? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, go, you're fine. And Laura's like, okay, all right, okay, I'm going to fuck up your stuff, but okay. So off, off they go. Yes. Right. And they are planning on jumping on top of uh, primatologists' expedition, right. which is being funded by Tim Curry, Harkamarhamolka, Romanian philanthropist. Yeah. Now, now, say <laughs> that name one more time. Harkamarhamolka. How, how do you even? I, I mean, kudos. Because I've seen this movie about a thousand times. Right? <laughs> Not even Tim Curry could say it correctly. And he was the character. Tim Curry, always, always brilliant. Perfect doing, with his delivery. Doing a batshit Romanian accent. But that's the beauty of Tim Curry, is that you don't care. No. You know what fact, I mean? Delighted, Brad. Yeah, yeah thrilled. When I... I had to, since I've seen this so many times, I had mm. to look away from the screen and watch you watch it as he spoke. It was spellbinding. <laughs> yes, perfect word, spellbinding. Spellbinding, dude. So many moments. But see, now, Tim Curry 
is one of those unique actors who has such incredible charisma that he literally becomes spellbinding, riveting. You can't take your eyes off of him. But the crazy thing about this movie is there are those moments, because he's supposed to be meek and subdued, where he is just kind of standing there and all of that. But then there are these other moments where he's allowed to show his fanaticism, and he just becomes this whole other passion. Yes, this diamond, it's here, it's real, right? <laughs> all of these things, and you're like, that's fucking Tim Curry. It it, the transformation in front of the camera is just, oh, it's so beautiful. Let's say Tim Curry is absolutely one of the best. Have you ever listened to his album? Which one? Or any of his albums? I have to say no. Oh. It, they're they're pretty fucking weird yeah. and good. Hmm. Yeah, they're very interesting. They're and musical albums or spoken? Yeah, or? yeah okay. music. Okay. Yeah, he's a singer as well. Well, they're I pretty goddamn good. from uh, stage... Uh, live performances and all of that coming up through musicals and, of course, Rocky Horror. And I knew somewhat uh, uh, some of the films, you know, but uh, in terms of actual uh, albums, I wasn't aware. That's really cool, dude. Yeah, and just to prove, like, and not even related to Congo, just how good Tim Curry is, mm. I made Kayla watch Clue. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she was like, man... That movie kind of sucked, but Tim Curry was awesome in it. Like, yeah, it's Tim Curry. He's yeah. so fucking good. That he, like, He's so committed. And he's got that theatrical training, the theatrical experience. So just as I was saying earlier, when the moment comes for him to really amplify his presence, you you see it. You actually feel it on camera as suddenly this energy just boom, goes off in front of you, and you're like, oh, what a pleasure. What a pleasure, you know? And uh, you stack that across someone like, um, oh, who else do we have in here? I mean, I love Bruce Campbell. I thought Laura Linney did a pretty competent job. I mean, it's kind of hard to trash any of the other actors. Maybe Amy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought Amy was kind of flat in this <laughs> movie, Chris. Yeah, that, that fake gorilla really sucked. The fake gorilla that was... Actually, two sipping, women sipping on a wearing different costumes. That gorilla that was sipping on a martini because it would calm her down enough to not bash Laura Linney's face in. Can you in believe that shit? No, I want the two green drop. The green drop drink. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's a freaking martini. Uh-huh. And you're just like, okay, so you're going to get a, a gorilla drunk at altitude because you know the higher you go up uh-huh i sure do brad <laughs> so here's this gorilla trashed jealous of laura linney constantly saying they, ugly woman bad in, woman in the primatologist makes it a point to tell her mm -hmm. i have to pretty much i'm paraphrasing but like i have to neg you otherwise this gorilla is gonna get ultra jealous we'll get jealous yeah and cause a scene yeah uh -huh. But she's not violent. How dare you accuse her of that? Yes, Amy, she's ugly. Please don't attack her. Chris, gorillas are not violent. No. According to this primatologist, gorillas are not violent. If there are violent gorillas, well, that's very unusual, Chris. But the, Very unusual, Chris. The interesting part of <laughs> this sequence comes at the end when it's supposed to be nighttime on the airplane and everybody's mm -hmm. asleep except for Laura Linney and uh, the primatologist. Mm. And she gr is grilling him like, what are you doing? 
why did you do any of this? Yeah, what is this all about? His response is flat out like, I don't know. I I I was lonely, I guess. And Laura Linney, in a very roundabout way, for the first time in the film that we've all kind of you know been joking about, we literally were joking about this right before this moment of dialogue happened, which makes it extra special. Yeah, she in a roundabout way kind of just says, "Oh, so you're fucking that gorilla." <laughs> and he he refuses to answer the question. He changes he, the subject. He changes the subject. Yeah. So here we got a primatologist who literally has been, by implication, fucking the gorilla that he's been teaching sign language and is about to throw back to the jungle, saying, "Oh, you you figured it out. You'll be fine." After all of these years of which, God knows what type of shelter and comfort. Which, if you know anything, baseline anything about animals, you cannot take an animal that has been raised in captivity and just release it to the wild. No, fuck it's, no. It's one of those, like, I think what's portrayed as, like, the liberal pipe dream. And just, well, return these animals to nature. You cannot do that. They no. do not have the skills to adapt to being left alone in the jungle like that. Particularly in a movie like this, where what we are shown is this ape being coddled for years, being taught sign language, being given martinis, art supplies, drawing pictures. The gorilla has nightmares. Stealing Ernie Hudson's cigars. Smoking a cigar. Exactly. You're sitting there watching all of this humanized behavior and this quote-unquote primatologist scientist expert is sitting here saying oh yeah we're just gonna drop her back in the wood in the jungle because it's time she's old enough you're like how the fuck does she's been drawing pictures of the jungle you're right that was his conclusion she's been drawing pictures of the jungle that means it's time for her to go home oh okay now mind you on the plane just 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 as a reminder of what we're talking about here we have the corporate mercenary who's going for the diamonds and to recover the body of the executive son yeah we have the ape fucking primatologist and his assistant and his assistant who is helping to uh return a gorilla that they've been uh abusing for (laughs) god knows how many years returning them to the jungle and escaping Illegally in Zaire because they're not supposed to cross the border. Zaire is closed. Exactly. They fly illegally into Zaire, get their plane shot down, but that's a different thing. Then, then on this plane as well, we've got those two wonderful people, and then we've got Tim Curry, who is chasing the Solomon's Mines, yep. the lost city of Zinj, 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 Zinj and... All of the diamonds that are there. So two people after diamonds going to a similar location and one ham-fisted primate rapist who has no idea what the fuck he's getting into but just wants to lose the creature he's he's been um, taking government grants from to support his life of <laughs> bestiality for the yeah. past couple of years. Yes. All in the name of science. Yes. So, okay. So this is our glorious cast of characters going on this so adventure. Far. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, until they land in Africa and meet their wacky uh, wartime travel guide, Joey Pants. Joey, oh, <laughs> what a delight. With two earrings. 
You know, the amazing thing about Joey Pants was even by this time, he had understood what his on-camera persona was going to be. So he's he's got the loud shirt on. Uh-huh. He's got his hat. He's got his round sunglasses. He's like, hey, I'm the guy. Well, we'll figure it out. That's what I do. I'm Joey if, Pants. If, if Joey Pants is in a scene, it is his scene. Oh. Another great example of an actor with massive charisma. Uh-huh. Yeah, has the ability to switch it on and, you know, okay, granted it's a different style than Tim Curry, but there is a reason that he is affectionately referred to as Joey Pants. This guy figured out his look and every time you see him in the movie, you know what you're going to get, you know? Fucking and and love no that one's guy. ever disappointed to see him. Right, right. Exactly. It's, it's everybody every time in every movie just goes fucking Joey Pants. <laughs> he's such a welcome addition to everything, and like you said, he's one of those dudes. He's not Denzel Washington. He's not going to be your leading man. Mm-hmm. But I'm more excited when he shows up than fucking Colin Farrell. <laughs> when you see, okay, yeah, actually, good, good choice as a counter because. Colin Farrell, as a leading man, deliberately works to play all of these different kinds of roles and things, right? Joey Pants worked on his persona so that every time, you know, you're going to see Joey do this thing. He's going to help out. There's going to be some jokes. Everybody's going to have a good time. And then off goes Joey. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> God bless him. He's easily you know? one of the best part of any of the Bad Boys movies. Of en- Dude, like you said before, any movie he comes into, you're like, ah, oh, Fuck sweet. yeah. Yep. <laughs> So he comes in, he helps out, he helps Ernie Hudson, because they're buddies, they go way back, and... Um, they immediately, uh, there is a car that explodes, they were try- somebody was trying to assassinate the president. No, dig this, this actually I thought was a really cool aspect of this movie, because they land where they're not supposed to land, they know they're not really supposed to be there, and all around them is the evidence of why. Because there's literally a military coup that's going on while they're trying to do their shit. And these gangsters, Ernie Hudson and Joey Pants, are just savvy enough to be able to stay out of it and negotiate these idiots deeper into the jungle like they're supposed to, right? So Mm -hmm. money gets paid around, uh, you know, they get snuck into this truck... I thought it was really a nice touch, though, to set up the danger of the environment by having them land at this airport while a fucking military coup is taking place. You know, you see, like you said, bombs going off, people dropping gunfights, and, and everybody there is talking like, oh, shit, what, what are we doing? And fucking Amy doesn't have a leash on her. She's not in a cage. None of that shit, dude. She's just there like, oh, gee, this this... Huh. Joey Pants is just calmly stamping passports. <laughs> yeah. He's like, everybody give me your passports. And th-. once again, lovely scene tells you everything about the world that they've come into. He's like, now isn't that easier than going through customs? It's like, oh, dude, how many fucking laws just got broken right there? Who gives a fuck? I'm Joey Pants. Yeah, you know? <laughs> because immediately he introduces them to Ernie Hudson. He's like, yeah, I'll get you out of here. And he just steals a military truck. At gunpoint. Yeah. Straight up says, oh, okay, you got me. Uh, In other words, you've hired me. I'll officially work for you now. 
First thing he does, steals the truck, loads him in, and is like, it's no problem. Don't worry about it. We're on our way. Yeah. <laughs> what? And everybody in the truck is like, what the fuck? He's <laughs> like, this, yeah, get in. It's the fine. The primatologist and his assistant are like, we should get out of here. We shouldn't associate with these people. And Ernie Hudson's just like, oh, fucking sure. Go ahead. Because <laughs> you're not the one giving me money. She is. <laughs> well, yeah. And he also says, well... I don't know where you're going to go. Yeah, have fun. There's nothing around here. Good luck. Yeah. You know, you see what's happening, right? So if you want to leave, go ahead and leave. I mean, the worst fucking time to pull out of an expedition is when you're right there, right when all of the shit is going down. It's like you're already, you started, you know? It's yeah, like you're staying at this. the top of the roller coaster. Oh, t- stop the roller coaster. I want to. No, dude, no. No, no, no. And oh boy. This is where the roller coaster starts, my man. Oh, well, dude. It is fantastic. Yeah, so... Because they're quickly caught by Delroy Lindo. You know, this is another fantastic actor who has uh, the authenticity. The whole scene, the only reason he's there is to set up that they have to bribe their way through all of these, um, you know, warring factions... And so they they come in, uh, not a not a bullet, not one round is fired, Mm-mm. and it's just straight up. Okay, pay me. All right, that's enough money. Yeah, he sits them all down, and is just like, please have some uh, coffee and some cakes that I've provided you, and also where's the money? Yeah, they, <laughs> they pull out a big ass stack, and Ernie Hudson gives it to him, and he calmly just says, "More." Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, no, no, no. So they, they like, uh, it, it goes from, like, two stacks to, like, five stacks or something like that. And then uh, Delroy Lindo is like, okay, um, yeah, I get it. That's what you want. That's fine. You can go. And then he's like, get out, right? Oh, first he yells at Tim Curry. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake. Right. This man is a piece of shit. <laughs> he just calls him a piece of shit to his face like three or four times and suggests that they just put a bullet in him and leave him in the death or in the uh, jungle. I I gotta say though, uh I like that bit because it's more revealing your character by circumstances rather than, you know, monologues of Nobody understood. I was looking for the mines. I had so much, you know, Tim Curry, he's not given, like, I let me explain my life story. Nobody really explains their life stories. It's always through these other conversations or this sort of thing. So Delroy Lindo being like, this piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, they even, uh, Ernie Hudson even alludes to... Right um, afterwards, because he says, like, don't I know you from somewhere? Yeah. And after the run-in with Delroy Lindo, he's like... Oh yeah, I remember you. Five years ago, you uh, tried to put up together an exposit an expedition. Yeah. Where uh, several people were killed, and uh, there was one uh, one mysterious death. That was a tragic suicide. Yeah, that was a tragic suicide in that horrible Romanian accent, and everybody just has that look like. Uh-huh. And that's okay. where Tim Curry almost calls him the N word, and we almost watch Ernie Hudson beat the shit out of Tim Curry. You know, the thing is, is that it's funny because the 90s in particular really had this whole sort of uh, authenticity about 
what was the source of the tension. Like, Tim Curry starts to lose his shit and almost says it, gets confronted, immediately backs down, says, I'm sorry, I lost my head, whatever, right? Now, you take a moment like that where um, Die Hard, the one with Sam Jackson, I forget, the third one, yeah, right? with a vengeance. Yeah, Die Hard with a vengeance, yeah. Knew that. Anyway, there's that moment where... The one where Jeremy Irons is the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's rules. a moment on the scene uh, early on when they're first meeting each other and they're, they're like in the chase doing, you know, the, the tasks that Jeremy Irons given them. And they're yelling at each other and... Um, and uh, there's a point where McLean's yelling at him, and Sam Jackson says, "Go ahead, you were gonna call me that, weren't you?" Right? <laughs> and and McLean's like, "No, I was gonna say asshole, cause you're being an asshole, right?" And so my point with all of this is that there was actually a moment in the '90s, like you know, um, certain movies, certain things would happen in terms of dialogue, like. Was it business or was it personal? You'd see that in like five or six different fucking movies, right? Mm -hmm. So this Congo thing and this Die Hard with a Vengeance thing, these are examples where you would see these similar kinds of confrontations in different movies, you know? So it was interesting here in the Congo to see Tim Curry being like, oh yeah, he was going to say it, but Ernie Hudson was Check. really... Gonna give him check him <laughs> immediately, <laughs> and you see Tim Curry just shrivel right up. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. You know, it was that it just, uh, yeah. And Ernie Hudson is immediately just like, yeah, that's fucking right. Shut up. <laughs> but see, that's why it's hard for me to hate this movie for all the bad things that ha all of the ridiculous things that happen in this movie in terms of plot point and even just why this story exists at all, right? You know, mm -hmm. absolutely stupid. There are still moments within there that you're like, oh, you know what? I kind of like that scene. Uh -huh. Oh, you know, that that actually, that came across pretty well. I can't believe this guy actually fucks this ape, but you know what? There's there's other moments that, that are working for me. You yeah, know? And, and like that part where Laura Linney <laughs> and Ernie... Hudson, uh, tandem shoot heat-seeking rockets out of the sky with flare guns. <laughs> and, and, and then Ernie Hudson skydives with a passed-out ape strap to no, his no, chest. No, no, okay, that, okay. I just Holy wanted to get shit. it all out there before we start examining it, because, uh... Okay, yeah, so they're in the plane, they're, they're crossing Zaire airspace, yes. right? They're not supposed to be there. No, so, it's like immediately after they take off, too. Yeah, and you see the plane in the sky, and it's like from the perspective of the ground below, and you see these soldiers literally with surface-to-air yeah, rockets. Run into frame, kneel down, shoot <coughs> rockets at this point. They don't just shoot one. They shoot several. Yes. And Laura Linney, the first time this rocket's coming, somehow she's able to go... Oh, you're shooting a rocket at me, are you? Oh, well, let well, me just walk you, right over back to the back of the plane. Let me select this particular box. I'll find the box, get the gun, load the gun, 
And then I'll go over to the door and shoot this flare gun at this incoming missile. Wait, you skipped a step there? Huh. I, I'm going to get the flare gun, load it up, and then I'm going to, like a badass, kick this fucking plane door open. Right, exactly. I'm going to turn the dial. The door won't open for me. Well, fuck that. Let me just kick it, straight kick it, like, you know, I'm trying to save a baby or something, which I suppose technically she is because Amy's young, you know. But the door opens. Bam! She leans out. And it's a perfect action hero pose with the flare gun. Mm-hmm. A flare gun, Arm mind you. Arm extended straight out, yep. looking right down the barrel, and thump, pop. And she does something that, I, you know, I hate to um, break this to uh, anybody who believes this, but you can't do this. This doesn't work, you know. The I'm going to say that you're wrong. The idea that the heat of one flare is going to draw the attention of this Sam missile no, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't buy it. A surface-to-air missile is not designed to be heat-seeking like I that. am going to continue to believe in my heart of hearts that you are incorrect. <laughs> and well, a buffoon. You know, you know, and that maybe they do have heat-seeking missiles, but that plane was propeller-flown. It, it was not a jet-flown plane, which was you know, why she was able to open the door and shoot out with but, the flare guns. But counterpoint, Brad? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Her and Ernie Hudson shot them together afterwards. My Okay, this is one of my favorite bits because Ernie Hudson sees her with the flare gun, sees what she does, and immediately says, no, fuck that, I want to do that too. Yeah, no so words. So they both, yes, no words, but they both suddenly magically have flare guns, they both load them, and then they both stand in unison side by side and while, fire the gun. Well, luckily, only one more uh, rocketeer shows up. Dude, they actually launch two missiles at the same time so they can fire two flares and stop both the missiles. It's a wonderful moment of heroes working together. Good guy, bad girl, good girl, bad guy. I mean, the gray area is not really worth debating. It's more over the shot of them with the two flares firing and taking out these surface-to-air missiles and, you know... But once you know it, Brad, it's all for naught as the plane is struck anyway. Well, for some reason, they didn't have a, one more flare. Well, actually, no. I think I'm wrong. I don't think they actually hit the plane. They all just immediately start putting on parachutes. Well, okay. No, you you are correct. But the sequence of events, because there is a flare that or a rocket that blows out the plane. But what happens is they both shoot the flares. They, uh, you know, distract the two simultaneous incoming rockets that are side by side. Yep. And then, um, <clears throat> and all then, totally believable. They all go to put on parachutes. They throw a sedative down the ape's throat in a banana. In a banana that they had prepped. And the ape immediately goes to sleep, so Ernie Hudson can carry the ape. While parachuting out of a plane. Uh-huh. Just carry the ape in his hands. A like sleeping a, ape. Like a front-loaded backpack. Exactly so. And the ape somehow, even though is sleeping, knows to cling tight to him mm-hmm. and, and hang on. So they all parachute out of the plane. And as the last person is parachuting out of the plane, we see a rocket come up, hit the plane, and blow it out of the sky. So it does get blown out of the sky. Yeah, while primatologist is looking at it mournfully, thinking, that could have been us. That could have been us. But thank God we were given a solid four or five minutes to get our parachutes on and jump out of the plane before they decided to, after launching three missiles at us in quick succession. 
But by so, golly, Brad, hmm. uh, Amy, everybody landed. Amy isn't as civilized as we thought because well, she's got a real set of chompers on her. Ernie Hudson knows because uh, halfway down, the <laughs> ape woke up and apparently bit the shit out of him. Well, now, see... The evidence is uh, lacking a little bit, but... Severely lacking, one might say. There's no, uh, not even any dust on his clothes as if he even oh, might no. have fallen to the ground. He or... looks immaculate. <laughs> yeah, perfect. His hair is perfect. Everything is perfect. I mean, no salt to Ernie Hudson looking good. Dude looks good. Oh, he looks He just great. doesn't look like he fell out of a plane and was bitten by an ape halfway he down. He doesn't look like he just free fell and parachuted <laughs> out of a recently shot out of the sky airplane with a 300-pound talking ape strapped to his chest. No, you're right. He does could, not look... Could he, you imagine he's holding this ape in like a bear hug, right, as, uh-huh. as they're dropping down. The ape comes to consciousness and is like, what? What? And then just starts freaking out. And he, all he can do is like hold this ape in a bear hug while it's like pummeling him and biting into him. I mean, if that had actually happened, that I wish, I wish they had gotten that on camera. But no, we only have it as a piece of dialogue later. So, you know, it's questionable at best what really happened on that drop down. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So they pack up their gear, right? They figure out, okay, um... I mean, we never see them use a map. We never see them use anything like, you no, know. No, Ernie Hudson knows where he's going. Yeah, there's no global satellite pos- positioning. There's none of that shit. So, okay. There is a lot of people making jokes about the primatologist fucking that ape, though. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's one of the best Constantly. bits. By the time everybody is like, oh, okay, we're fucked. We, we basically, you know, our plane's been shot down. We got the radio that she did have got destroyed. So now basically they, they have to continue with the mission might as well. And hopefully if they pull it off, when they come back, they'll be able to get rescued. That's basically the plan that they're going with now. So, okay, everybody's moving forward. As everybody's moving forward, everybody else notices that this guy clearly must be fucking this ape. They literally refer to him as husband and wife. Yes. You're like, oh, this is not a good look. And I remind you the whole purpose of this man with this intimate relationship with this ape, the whole purpose of this journey is so that this man can ditch his wife. (laughs) Evidence. In the middle of the jungle, yeah. Hopefully with other apes. Because I know if lawyers fucked up, they are disbarred. I don't know exactly what they do to you in the scientific community when they find out that you've been granted an ape, abused it for years, and then unofficially snuck it... Out of the country. Illegally yeah. across borders to yeah. uh, just leave it in the jungle. Yeah. And then well, use it, using the excuse of, well, that's where she wanted to be, I swear. <laughs> well, you know, there might be some uh, accountability issues to have to uh, deal with. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that dude's it's so be, funny, though. I never really thought be, about her as evidence like that. He's going to be running the fucking drive through at In-N-Out because he is a criminal. <laughs> In, in, on so many levels, though. That's the thing. He is so overt about his bad decisions that even the uh, local um, uh, hands to, to like help uh, the mercenaries and such, 
who are local, they don't know these guys from Adam. They can just take a look at this guy and his weird gorilla, and they're like, oh, we see what's happening with this. Yeah, yeah. We've seen this we, before. We know what this guy's <laughs> up to. He has made zero attempt to hide it. Yeah, exactly. Makes no attempt, and he's constantly like, I'm just worried about Amy. You know, what's best for Amy in this thing? What does Amy want to do? Does Amy want another martini? How about another cigar? It's like, get the fuck out of here, man. And the entire time, they're constantly just doping and carrying around this unconscious, like, 500-pound gorilla. Which is so fucking bizarre. Yeah, I didn't even realize that until maybe the second or third scene where she's doped out and they're just they're just hauling her ass. I'm like... Now, wait a minute. I thought you were trying to acclimatize her to this new environment that she's going to be in. No. no. You're literally going to knock her ass out. It's like you go to bed in Cleveland and you wake up in the Congo. What the fuck, man? It'd be like if I drugged you and set you on a plane and you woke up in Omaha or something. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Not just in Omaha, but in like someone's backyard. (laughs) You know, trees. Surrounded by, wait, where's the toilet, for Christ's sakes? You know what I mean? (laughs) Unbelievable. So that's that's this guy's intention with this. African soldiers with guns. Literally, bombs going off. I mean, you wake up from your stupor to be like, holy shit, what are these bombs? They just knock you out again. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, this is, so, basically... They're moving on. They get to the point where they come across the actual mines, right? Yeah, I mean, after, let's let's kind of yeah. After John Hawk screams to death and they're attacked by hippos, <laughs> yeah. Let's just say the movie has some spectacular action sequences, and um, none of them ever make sense, but no. they're very interesting to watch, and they're a lot of fun. Yes, where okay. they try and set up camp atop of like what looks like a river. I mean, there's a scene. The least, they're the most inept fucking team of all time. Exactly, and they're supposed to be having these guides who are mercenaries for hire and all of that, who are supposed to be guiding them through the jungle dangers and everything. This fucking flood. They show this guy's tent, and I mean, literally, it's like a stream is coming down at this guy. They're not around any high ground. Where the fuck is all of this water suddenly? I mean, literally, the first opening of the scene is the tents there and people are like, oh my God, it's raining and all of that. Within five seconds, there's this deluge and the tent starts to get swept away. You're like, where did this water come from? I mean, this was not that bad just 30 seconds ago. This whole movie is like this, Chris. Uh-huh. All of these action sequences, they get to the shootout with the gorillas. Fuck it, I'm just going to get there now. They get to the shootout with the gorillas, and you're like, wait, where are the gorillas that they're shooting at? Wait, how many gorillas are there? There are these quick cut flashes, and then suddenly there's only one dead gorilla on the ground, and they're all looking around like, "Oh, okay, thank God it's over." And you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" I say you're gonna. I say you're gonna have to be more specific on which gorilla shootout. (laughs) I can't be more specific, Chris. I don't fucking know, right? I mean, it's that. It's one of the one of the delightfully maddening things about this movie is that you would think for the quality that you saw going into 
these action sequences, right? That you would have action sequences that actually had a beginning, middle, and an end. Something made sense, you know? There was, like, movement, or you had a sense of danger from... No, you just get quick cuts of guns going off. And I remind you, Ernie Hudson's rifle changed three times in that fucking movie. Sure okay? did. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, because nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> Oh no, my god. We're going to have a long rambling speech where Tim Curry explains that he found a ring in a library when he was young that's the same as these paintings that this gorilla's been drawing, which means that she knows instinctively where this lost city of diamonds is. Yes. And boy howdy, wouldn't you believe it? He's right. <laughs> well, when he was a boy, there were books, and the books had drawings in them. And then when he was on that excursion where everybody died and the one person mysteriously committed suicide, that's where he found this ring, this super spy special ring that had a gem on one side, but if you flipped it over, it had the special super secret eye that kind of looked like these smears on the paintings in the books when he was a kid. And then he saw the artwork from... Which uh, could not possibly be linked to Amy whatsoever because Amy well, is at most three years old. The funniest thing, though, is that none of these eyes actually look alike. No, not even And when they bit. get to the location, even the eyes that are supposed to be referencing these eyes, they don't look like any of these not eyes. Not even close. You literally have four different depictions of what's supposed to be this astonishingly, uh, you know, similarly looking eye. It's like even the colors are not correct amongst the four different... It's the funniest fucking thing, man. Not, but, the art department was not paying attention. Chris. But can I ask you a very important question, Brad? Oh, please, please. Does yeah. it fucking matter? Fuck no. Because what it's about to ha happen next is mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, please. Go ahead, Chris. So they get into your uh, very poorly shot action scene uh -huh. with the smeary camera and the out-of-focus apes. Yes. Uh -huh. So they run out of the city of Zinge, and they got to set up a camp. And with their camp... They are all armed to the teeth. They have uh, turret pistols. Right. Movement, uh, motion detecting turret pistols. And uh, when that isn't enough, they have to throw down the purple light. Which also didn't make no, sense. Just what is that, laser no, just light makes or it, something? No, the purple light just makes it look cool. And then when all of that fails, up goes the blue lasers. Okay, in right. An, in an epic gunfight. <laughs> Well, in the dark, <laughs> where these ancient, dusty-ass apes have figured out modern technology to the point where they're baiting their defense systems. Ernie Hudson even says they're testing the perimeter. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Like, these apes are sitting there going, hmm, lasers. Yeah, last time we dealt with this, we had a... Uh, you know, <laughs> there are so many lines where somebody says something matter of factly in this film. And you, if you think about it for more than half a second, yeah. you instinctively just go like, well, what was your impetus for saying that? Yeah. Uh huh. What? How? <laughs> how could you come to that conclusion? Yeah. What? When it, when the assistant, when the primatologist assistant's like, I, I don't think we're going the right way. Like, <laughs> what, what? Yeah. What, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And he's a great example because he's got all of these lines that are all cautionary and everything. But every once in a while, he'll say something like that where it's this massive deduction and you're just like, hold on a minute. You're, what? You couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. Yeah. You shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut, please. <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, 
these guns, it cracks me up because this is this is the sequence where Laura Linney becomes full on hard nosed badass, you mm-hmm. know, and um, is like, um, well, I'm here and I'm the only thing that you need. Oh, and by the way, there are these turret pistols that I set up yeah. around the perimeter. And this laser lock. <laughs> yeah. So after after doing this big boast, she immediately undermines her boast by saying, oh, yeah, and I did all this other shit so that, you know, we'll be protected from all of these other angles. Now, she refers to them as turret pistols, right? I believe so. When you see them, they're actually these larger... Um, my point is that they're more like the um, like a small scaled down version of the guns and aliens that are set up. Those turret guns and aliens that are set mm-hmm. up. So it's kind of reminiscent of that sequence, but not nearly as <laughs> as well put together. You no. know, this stuff is. You see these turret guns just, like, do these odd little turns this way, shoot, shoot, turn this way. So they're kind of doing what they're supposed to do, but you're still like, what are you shooting at? What What's happening? Right? And somewhere in all of this confusion, you see this old gray-haired fucking ape body just kind of, like, fall on one of these turret guns. And they're like, oh, no. Suddenly all the cameras go out. They're like, they took out our defenses. And it's like, oh, shit. And then everybody starts, you know, Ernie Hudson goes through his different guns. And Laura Linney's there with her pistol. Laura Linney is straight shooting people in the face. Blap! And when I say people, I mean gorillas, right? Yes, old, dusty ass. But they made a point to give these gorillas different masks. So they're supposed to have these different characters and these different personalities. Like, oh, there's Scarface. He's the one who was there at the beginning. These are the evil apes. Yeah, these are the evil apes. Yeah. So they repel the ape attack in the night and then Mm -hmm. in the morning, inexplicably, head directly back into where they were uh, just in a gunfight with these killer apes. Well, they had to get the diamonds, Chris. It's all about the diamonds at this point. And Brad, would you say this is where, like... The movie's had its foot pretty uh, pretty much to the floor on the accelerator the whole mm. time as far mm-hmm. as insanity. <laughs> now, yeah. would you say that this is where it pushes it absolutely to the limits of where what a movie can be? Of what films can be? When well, Ernie Hudson is blowing chunks off of fucking apes with a shotgun while a volcano goes off. Oh my god, the fucking volcano. I completely <laughs> forgot about the volcano. I don't know uh-huh. how I forgot about this backdrop. Yep. Yeah, this insane uh, uh, rivulets of lava coming down, rivers of lava. You can't get within 20, 30 feet of this stuff, but there they are with their guns shooting at these gorillas while these lava flows are going by. Uh, I mean, Ernie Hudson looks like such a badass, dude. He really does. And And yes, man, that one bit... Now, you got to love the edit, right? Because they saved themselves a lot of time and effort by showing the gorilla coming in and showing Ernie bringing up his gun and going, blow! And right on that, doing the cut so that when you have the perspective of how the gorilla should be jumping at them, all you see is pieces and chunks fall into the frame. Dude, 
Dude, oh, that's why I love movies. And watching Fuck, yeah. Tim Curry get his head beaten in by a pack of dusty He deserved ass it, that piece of shit. You know, even those gorillas were like, I recognize you, you bastard. Oh, you're back, are you? Well, he's just you picking know? up a handful of diamonds that are just on the surface, like well, loose in loose sand. Well, uh... Scattered about like candy after a parade. Well, you know, that's how diamonds are formed. They simply just drop from trees and then they land like fruit. But because, you know, they're they're diamonds, they don't actually dissolve into the dirt. It's just like picking up apples on the ground. Uh, that's the way diamonds are made. It's simple science, Chris. So they, they won't... <laughs> if we're going to break this down, because we haven't gotten to the craziest part yet. <laughs> Which, okay, we... They, they walk in... Notice that line. We have not gotten to the craziest yet. No, okay. uh, they walk in, they see all the... Effect Effectively, what are uh, they fall through the ground into a cavern? Yeah, underneath the city. Yeah, to where there's just it. The walls are lined with ape apartments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, the funniest thing is, is that they when they fall in there, it's like the whole tone kind of shifts to like, oh. This is a strange, mysterious environment. They even have like the these um, uh, low to the ground steam yeah. vents coming up. Yeah, little, I mean, I swear to God, it's the smoke coming up. It was reminiscent of Planet of the Apes, not the first one, the one where there were the nukes when he goes down. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It was reminiscent of of I think that's the second one where they have the you know the telepathic dudes, but um, I thought that was three or four. It's it's probably three or four. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, so so uh, the larger point is there again. Congo has like these sort of half cues and references to these things that were kind of going on at the time, or or trying to, um, I don't know, homage in some way. You know, it is associate. It's in like some ad- way. it's like adventure movie one hundred and one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's and it. I I will say it again. Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, this is early proof that they had no fucking idea, even with all the resources then, how to put together a movie that made sense. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just funny. Yeah, so, so okay. these gorillas beat the Christ out of Tim Curry, and nobody happens to see that he's wandered off and been surrounded. Nobody gives like, a fuck. Like 10 feet away from Nobody them. even mentions. Humongous gunfight ensues. They find... Yeah. Uh, Bruce Campbell's dead body still clutching a giant diamond, nowhere near where he was killed. So well, yeah, gorillas, not only was it nowhere near... Well, okay. He uh, didn't have a diamond in his hand when he was killed. He was eating a chocolate bar. And he was holding an eyeball. Right, so, it was his partner's so those, eyeball. So those gorillas propped him up just in a back room with a diamond in his hand. Well, I'm sure those gorillas probably beat him senseless and probably assaulted him in several filthy ways, and that was the love cavern where it all happened. So he died um, horribly, viciously, and um, with a diamond in his hand because diamonds are like apples, and that's... Part of the process. But it comes in handy because I think it's from the geode because Laura Linney grabs it out of his hand, has to break off some of the dirt around this. Right. Well, diamond. that's what I actually was going to say uh, earlier, uh, just a, a minute ago, is 
it's not just the diamond in his hand, it's the whole telecommunication device that happens to throw a fucking laser that cuts through say, pretty when, much anything. When we said we haven't gotten to the craziest part, yeah. I, I meant it. Dude. I meant it. Dude, this... Whole hog. This was one of the best things I've seen in literally fucking years, dude. Because... It's so funny. Because while she's breaking this diamond loose, mm-hmm. and they've gotten primatologists, the evil apes have primatologists down... They're about to smash his head in. Oh, yeah. Boom. In comes Amy, roaring. Well, okay. Let's let's be clear. Okay, Bruce Campbell, at the very beginning of the movie, he's like, hey, you know what? It looks like we found this diamond. How cool. Tell you what. Let me show you this test, right? Puts this diamond in this thing, fires this little laser burst. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Okay, great. Forget all about that and let's go off to the madness, right? Then, oh yeah, remember, that was a laser that he fired? So she picks this up and this thing doesn't roar. It just cuts this fine line across. Now, how many apes would you say, Chris? Eight? Ten? That are all sort of surrounding? Oh, easily. What's his name? And this one fine little beam just sort of etches across the tops of the heads of every one of these fucking gorillas and blows all these heads off these fucking gorillas. She nails all of them, dude. After delivering <laughs> after delivering one of the greatest lines in movie history, well, because Amy's kind of diffused the situation with all these apes. Yeah. They're, they're all calmed down because they're wondering what the fuck she is. Yeah. And Ernie Hudson says, well, what do we do now? And Laura Linney, with this death laser in her hand, uh-huh. hops over this barrier and says, put him on the endangered species list. <laughs> and then That's just right. laser saws these fucking gorillas in half. And I mean, it is, it is as quick as uh, maybe three quarters of a second, this shot, where... First, she, she fires off one round, and this old dude, old gorilla's hand yes. gets lasered off. So all of the gorillas are like, wait, what the fuck? Right? And just as they're, they're uttering their gorilla version of that, suddenly this beam arcs across all of their fucking... I mean, dude, all of their heads, and it's this fine boom, 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 boom. All of these explosions of gorilla brains. And then they while, all drop. While a fucking volcano is filling the room <laughs> with lava. Fill, filling the room with lava. Filling the room. So she's got time. The Earth's mantle is breaking apart as lava fills the room. And Amy is calmly holding the primatologist in her lap, very ma- maternally. Saying, please don't beat him to death. I care about him. I love him. And all of these gorillas drop dead around her suddenly with their heads blown off. And the primatologist is now looking at Amy like, hey, come on, follow me. Everything's fine. And and this gorilla seems completely fine having seen a, a dozen apes slaughtered in front of her while lava is flowing around, guns going off. This elephant or ape I mean, might as well be an elephant for how absurd this whole fucking situation is, dude. Completely nonplussed, able to be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll stick with this guy because he loves me. He wouldn't leave me abandoned in some jungle somewhere with no uh, regular food or a roof over my head. No, he loves me. Perfectly fine. (laughs) 
Well, well, good thing that they have time to get out of there because all these old, ancient, dusty apes are just kamikazeing themselves into the lava stream. Another and, what the fuck and moment? It, and Why? And a couple of them do like fanciful flips. They off literally, of the they literally do like half barrel rolls, <laughs> and they're doing shit. You're like, wait, what? Why are you voluntarily jumping into the lava? I don't, I don't get it. And, I mean, it's not just one or two. It's like half a dozen. Hordes. Yeah. Dozens of these gorillas. They're literally running up to the edge. themselves. And they're doing backflips <laughs> into the fucking lava. It's like, and you see them disappear. Bloop. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck, man? They actually show these gorillas suiciding themselves longer than the actual laser beam that blew the heads off the other ten. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's, it's so fucking great. And I mean, dude, now I'm remembering the other thing that's so weird is the sides. The other thing that's so weird is the side story with this gorilla Amy trying to make friends with the silverback and the two yes. two chicks that this silverback has, uh-huh. right? So. So so while all of this bizarre shit is going on, Amy keeps wandering away from the camp and like looking at ants and looking at insects around and oh wow, this is this is what an interesting magical place comes across a silverback that basically, you know, is like I don't like you, get out of here. And then in other scenes, Amy comes up and is like but I'm just going to sit and smile at you, and you'll see that I'm a nice guy, nice girl. And he's like, maybe you're a nice girl, but you stay away. I don't like you. And then at the end of the movie, or getting near the end. After, the- after he hangs off of two different ledges over lava, and Amy doesn't help him climb up one time. <laughs> That's so true. She's standing there. Now, okay, I admire the self-preservation thing, right? But I think here this is where you could say that this is your first clue that there's some distance in the relationship. Yes. Because he literally is struggling, like, oh, God, (laughs) trying to get up. Hanging off of the edge (laughs) of a piece of earth that has risen into the air because of this volcano exploding he even gets up to the first part of the edge and it falls away so he has to keep moving and grab the second part or it would have been one of those gotchas oh no you thought you're fine no you're fucked uh-huh right so so this is this is genuine peril and amy's just watching him and when he gets up to her she's like all oh, right hey, good job <laughs> all right hey well done nice you know so well, glad you made it come on let's go yeah and off they go and um while lava is flowing off to the left, to the right, everything's fine. Yeah, Ernie Hudson and uh, Laura Linney are looking for a giant case, a giant yellow case with a red stripe on it, because yeah. inside... It has a balloon. There's a balloon that they're mm-hmm. going to escape in. Mm-hmm. Well, now, here's the thing, though. Once again, Joey Pants. This is why we like Joey Pants, because... When he comes in and he's doing his little bit, he kicks down. Okay, this is what you got. You got this kind of equipment. You got this sort of thing. Is there anything you want? And she says, I want this. And he says, okay, fine. So, jump to here. Boom. You said you wanted it. Joey Pants delivers. Right? Uh So, there you go. And um, they go. They're setting up this balloon. And primatologist and Amy realize, hey, you know, this is kind of... 
This might be serious. This, this is, is our kinda, goodbye. This is kind of what this is all about, isn't it? Yeah, do you like it here? Well, yeah, well, what do you think is... You know, I mean, it's a lot of nonverbal communication that's yeah, happening. It's, you know. It's a... Uh, it's very touching. It's a very, very abused animal saying goodbye <laughs> to an absolute monster of a human being. <laughs> and it's portrayed as a sentimental moment because Ernie Hudson and Laura Linney walk up behind him to yeah. make the, that uh, and triangle in the shot. Fuck of a primatologist has the audacity to be sitting there going, she'll be okay, won't she? I mean... She's all right, right? It's like, you asshole, you're the one who kicked her to the curb from the fucking get-go. How many people died because you wanted to get her here and just throw her to the jungle, huh? And also to answer his question, no. No, not at all. She is not going to be all right. She has none of the skills to survive in the wild whatsoever. The moment the silverback and his two wives recognize that all this ape can do is sign language... And they don't understand fucking sign language. She's dead. They are going. What's to she gonna do? Cave her head in with a rock. She's gonna be ostracized at best, and yeah, murdered and eaten at worst. <laughs> and depending on the jungle, I mean, any creature could murder and eat her. Yeah. You know. But so. I mean, to be fair, I, I'm pretty out of shape. I could fight that gorilla. <laughs> that gorilla's that domesticated. I I'd be willing to wager I'd do okay against Amy. And you know what? I'd take that bet because that is the kind of nonsense within this movie. You know, somehow everything's going to be okay. Let's not think about the actual uh, uh, representation of what we're talking about in these stories. Let's, let's not talk about the actual story of what we're representing here. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say, right? And, you, you know, <laughs> what are the repercussions of our actions? Well, we're going to get on this hot air balloon to end this action-adventure movie. They're going to escape on a hot air balloon. That's like checking the final box on fun. Well, I mean, dude, it's, it, it's almost like, you know, I get images of, like, Wizard of Oz or um, um, uh, Willy Wonka, mm -hmm. you know, where... The end of the fantastical ride yeah. is this somehow them just floating away? Yeah, it's peaceful. We we got away from all of the strange stuff, and no matter where we go in this balloon, it's going to be a better place. Now, how I, I want to really point something out so that we can recognize something because okay. you just made an interesting point. Hmm. This and like a Willy Wonka. Yep, they end in this magical, they're floating away from all this chaos. The difference here, however, is that Willy Wonka was effectively set in a, like a small German town, hmm. whereas Congo was set in the fucking Congo where they've already been <laughs> shooting rockets at them. They're going to be plucked out of the sky moments after all of this happens. Yeah, because it doesn't even have the uh, tissue paper thin aluminum foil of a regular plane. It, no. it just has the fabric and oh. the wicker basket that they're in. <laughs> All of these soldiers on the ground are going to go, hey, <laughs> holy shit, what's that? Boom, 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 boom. Or since it's that <laughs> same general region that they were just in, they're going to go, oh, shit. Hey, remember a couple days ago? There they are. <laughs> and now they're not in something as fast. Right. No shit. And all three of them are absolutely 
dead. Well, or, or this is a possibility. Somehow they survive, but then they're all taken, they're all fucking kidnapped and held for ransom. That's what would happen. You know, it would be like the blonde woman we want five million nope, for. No, nope, no, nope, we're not doing that accent. We are not doing African accents here. I don't Absolutely know what that not. voice was. But what I'm saying is there's this whole demand that would happen where they would be like, okay. You Congo know, 2 is the hostage negotiations well, between the U.S. government and Zaire, which is furious because they crossed the That's where they did John Rambo. That's where the John Rambo movie comes from. <laughs> right? With all those missionaries who get captured. So, you Man, know. I would give any amount of money to see the <laughs> Congo Rambo crossover film. Dude. Could you imagine? Well, they wiped out the whole uh, guerrilla community, but could you imagine Rambo just going in and facing off against those old guard bastard gorillas? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like that Scarface dude. That that would have been awesome. That oh. would be sweet. But so yeah, so so um, Congo. They fly away in a balloon, and um, credits roll, and somehow we're supposed to feel better for ourselves after watching this. I feel better every time I watch this movie. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, it was a lot of fun. It sure is. Um, I can't say that um, I'll sit down and watch this again for any reason. (laughs) But bullshit. There is going to be some night when you are stoned enough and you're just flipping through whatever and you're going to land on Congo and go, you know what? Well, (laughs) yeah, these are the good times. But um, but, uh, if it was a circumstance like that, I wouldn't turn away from it. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be one of those things where it's like, oh, God, no, you know. Right. Anything like that. I mean, this was genuinely surprisingly for as bad as it was really fucking fun and that's what i'm saying it's it's kind of the uh robocop 3 situation yeah is it a good film is it advancing techniques in cinema no absolutely fucking not well you know what it does provide an hour and a half of a good time and well, when I I'm, will go when, ahead. when I'm in the mood for a movie like that, mm-hmm. that is exactly why I turn to this. It, I've mm-hmm. seen this just as much as I've seen some of my favorite movies, maybe if not more, because it's a, uh, it's a I need to relax. I need to do whatever. I don't need to pay attention to this. What can I watch? Oh, fucking Congo! Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw on Congo and I'm gonna have a lot of goddamn fun. <laughs> well. I definitely get that. Um, and uh, It's a chicken soup movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> for me, I'd, um, I'd probably turn to uh, something else. But again, if I came across it on cable or something like that, it's not something that I would instantly turn away from. Like, I had no... Um, <laughs> I had nothing that I actually felt offended by. You know what I mean? There's nothing in here that's just like, get the fuck, no. Well, no. here's I'm going to push back on that a little bit. It It's to the point where everything has the, get the fuck out of here. And if that's you're willing why it's to fun. accept the absurdity that, okay... Okay, it's, from it's the like, get-go. No, like no, no, was, no, 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 I'm on. saying, it's not like it was super-duper grounded with one or two points where you're like, oh, well, that's dumb and stupid. If it's you're dumb willing and stupid to accept, the whole way. If you're willing to accept in the first 
10, 15 minutes that this movie is about a guy who is, let's just say, has intimate relationships with an ape and he is looking to return that ape to its home for no reason other than somehow his time with her is done. If you're willing to already swallow this this fundamental premise, then, you know, okay, all right. It's a love story. It's a fucked up love story. It's not Witness, you know. No. It's not... Uh, but it's that's, not Princess Bride. That's what I appreciate is it's one of those films that you know in the first 10, 15 minutes <laughs> that like, oh, this is going to be absurd. Yeah, If yeah. you don't like that, shut it off. Yeah. No one's going to be offended that you didn't watch Congo all the way through. But unlike Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where you've got like Shia LaBeouf. Don't uh, start because you know. Between this is, two this is Jeeps. A, this is a whole other conversation that I don't feel like having right now because I will defend that movie every day. Fuck that movie. All I'm saying is you have these moments in that movie where the absurdity takes you out, for me, takes you out of the viewing experience. Congo does not have that kind of absurdity for me because I recognize from the get-go this is not about attempting to do any sensible thing. <laughs> Even the editing makes no fucking sense. We're, we're not so. making a real movie here, guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, so with all of that being said, Congo, um, Great. yeah, I see Great. why you like it. 10 out of 10. Well. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Every frame, has I wouldn't its go. Place. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say uh, appreciable. Uh, hmm, five out of ten, six out of ten, somewhere in there. You're crazy. You know. Well, um, yeah, we've never really argued that point. <laughs> so, so what do you got going on in the future here? I, I was just going to ask you the same, Brad. What do you got? Um, what have you got to plug? I think we've reached the end of... I have nothing else to say about Congo. So, yeah. Yeah. Great film. Brad, yeah. what do you got going on? <laughs> um, you got anything so, else to say about Congo? Well, Brad, um, what do you got going on? Yeah. I don't have anything more to say about Congo <laughs> that would would be polite. You know? it's just, Let me put it this way. Now I'm starting to make up shit just to make up shit to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, rather than run do that... It's course. Yeah, exactly. Good movie. Worth checking out. You know, yeah. Uh, in terms of things going on, the um, the uh, uh, fundraiser for Becoming Emily launches June 1st, which will be next week by the time this goes up. Who knows when that'll actually be. But um, it'll be going on, and it's the uh, the website is becomingemilymovie.com. And you can see everything about um, getting a ticket. The baseline is... Um, is uh, $10 buys you the ticket, $25 you get the ticket, the poster, and you get your name in the movie. So uh, it's an exclusive premiere, uh, January 20th. It's an online premiere that we're doing, so it's an exclusive online premiere, and we're pre-selling tickets to make the whole thing happen. So ideally, um, hopefully you can support the project by a ticket, uh, even if it, you only want a poster just to say, hey, I like the idea and everything, we're selling the, the baseline tier for the fundraiser is $5 for the poster, $10 for the online uh, 
exclusive screening that gets you the ticket and the poster. And then 25 is the ticket, the poster, and your name in the movie, saying thank you very much for uh, supporting the project. We're, I'm calling that my mini producer tier. Yep. So, and uh, we, we've been promoting it on all the uh, Horror Vomit episodes as well. Fuck and yeah, awesome. We'll st- start putting the uh, link to the website in the show notes. Cool, thank you. Thank you so much for that, dude. Yeah. I have a, a flyer that I put together. Uh, it didn't even occur to me to put together a flyer until a couple of friends of mine were like, hey, you got a flyer? I'll put it up in my, you know, where I work or wherever. And I was like, no, uh, <laughs> let me put together a flyer. So anyway, those are going to start going up and that sort of thing. So so it's very interesting time. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Who knows what's going to happen, but definitely launching June 1st. And, um, um, you know, goal is $100,000. And the reason for that goal is so that we can pay people for their talent, their effort, their work. And their services, yeah. Because yeah. that's what you do when you're a professional. Well, yeah, and that's what we're trying to do here is actually put together something that demonstrates that there is local talent here. And at that budget level, we're not paying union scale, but the idea is ultimately to be at that point where in future productions we are paying union scale. And, and if you're not in the union, then getting you to that point where you can join the union through projects like these. So those are kind of some of the long-term goals. But uh, but it's pretty interesting uh, when it officially launches. Um, uh, we'll see what we can do to keep the promotions going and uh, hopefully, hopefully hit that nut. So we'll see. Cool. Yep. And... Uh, it, since I this will be also probably be going up on your website hmm. at some point. Uh, if you're just listening to it there, uh, come listen to all of our horror vomit stuff. That's where this will also be on our feed. Uh, find Excellent. us on uh, your Apple Podcast, Spotify's. Give us some written reviews. Give us some stars. And coming up here soon. Also, we are going to be streaming the brand new Diablo Four. Uh, so you can Dig find it. me. Yeah, we you can uh, find me at uh, horror underscore vomit underscore Chris on Twitch, and we're <laughs> nice. gonna be streaming that. Uh, nice. Probably, get, probably get, might be getting together with a friend of the show to uh, maybe do some streaming of some other games. So we're gonna have that rolling too. Got Excellent. the uh, whole PS5 set up. Got headphones and everything. Really? Yeah. Fucking eight. Congratulations, and all dude. that shit. Cool. So we're gonna be doing that. Uh, we might also have another project in the works. Okay. All right. Now, so, once you uh, do your live streams on Twitch, are you going to um, download the video and then upload on YouTube? So you've uh, got Brad. Other... I, I haven't gotten. The, we're working on all of it. Okay. Cool. 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 Keep working. Very yeah. exciting stuff, dude. Yep, we're getting to that point where yeah, we we actually need to like do stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, that does also remind me that all of these um, podcasts, which you have been very kind enough to uh, mix and upload through Spotify, uh, I'm going to be taking these and uploading those to the um, website, my own website as well, Mountain Fire Media. So um, they'll be accessible readily through there. And uh, as the video versions of these podcasts go up, there will be um, clips that will go up for free on YouTube. So uh, be keeping you posted with all of that as it comes together too. Oh yeah, we can. 
we'll be all over the place. You can you can catch HPV from either Brad or myself. Yes. Yeah, but for right now, HPV is exclusively through Spotify, through no, your no, channel, no, no. isn't it? No, we're not just on Spotify. We everywhere, buddy. Fucking A right. Well, Chris is the master handling all of that, so we're everywhere, and thank you for making all of that shit happen. No joke, dude. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So um, That's why they call me Big Money Chris. Well, they may... You never know. <laughs> no, 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 there's evidence to prove otherwise. Well, here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. I really do like what you guys are doing with Horror Vomit and the idea of expanding into this sort of gaming on Twitch, I think is a really good idea too. What we've been doing with these HPV things, I mean, I think what we do is fun, good content and... Um, you know, expanding to a, a visual presentation, I think, is something that, you know, I just got to get off my ass and do it. And then once it's done, I mean, we'll have a series of really interesting stuff. Genuinely think so. So, you know, the whole um, process, the time that we're doing, the content that we're building creates an archive that, who knows, maybe someday... Um, something will hit and then it becomes someone wants to buy the fucking archive and, and then, then the suddenly... aliens find it and then they eviscerate us well you know we can only dream so you know those are the plans <laughs> well well with that should we be uh should we get out of here yes the death of the human race eviscerated by aliens let's go ahead and call it on that all right all right